job. Thank you. We, uh, <laughs> we're gearing up. No more slow-mo, no more treading water falls here. We're gearing up. So uh, I trust that you're able to engage in these opportunities. And uh, even if you're not uh, fully abreast of everything, you can get abreast of it as we move through this fall. I just want to encourage you that um, today's offering, you can give online uh, through our website. You can give it by texting the word AWAKENING to 77977. Or those of you that are now in-house, you can drop it off at the baskets on your way out. So uh, please consider doing that. We have the opportunity to transition to a new series next Sunday. I prayed a lot about this. I was going some different directions. Uh, The board members and staff even all think, well, I thought that was going to be some other direction. But um, in light of what I believe is one of the most challenging times to live for Christ in a culture that's divided, and uh, a lot of other kinds of challenges going on. I believe for these next number of weeks, uh, especially leading up to the election, because everything's going to be front and center, I would like to talk on something that's not politically driven, but something that is kingdom of God driven. And that is for all of us, whether we are a Christ follower this morning or somebody who's just trying to seek out where God maybe could be at in our life, I believe all of us are called to think better. And I want to do a series called Thinking Biblically in a Culturally Divided World. Thinking Biblically in a Culturally Divided World. So next week, I want to make sure you're all back and bring someone with you. I think one of the weaknesses that's happening even in the evangelical church is we do not think well because we do not think biblically. And so we pontificate and we have opinions and things fly around. Friends, it's not our choice to be able to come up with what we should be thinking. We need to think as God would have us to think, and that comes from his word. But uh, not fully sure in all the different dimensions that this series is going to go. But the Lord's laid it on my heart this week that we need to press into this dimension and uh, do so for the next few weeks. And also to be able to be in prayer for us as a country, as a nation, and for leadership and whoever God is placing in, not just at the top of some ticket, but in all other dimensions of life. And so sometime during the course of October, we're actually going to have a prayer meeting time for us just to pray, to pray for our world, to pray for the needs of people, to pray for the evangelical church and our our witness, not only our church, but other churches, that we would rise up and that this would be a shining moment for us as a body of believers. And a lot of times we don't know how to interact and respond or what to think. We're going to come together around God's word this month and look in that direction. Got it? So next week, we're going to kick that series off. This is what I'd like us to do as we step into God's word today. I would like us to have a couple uh, minutes maybe of silent prayer. Whether here in this room or at home or Maybe if you're out with your iPhone somewhere watching this this morning, I want you to pray and to pray that God would move in our midst this fall to do His kingdom work for people's lives to be reached, for people to be encouraged, for them to be strengthened. As Joe mentioned, just some of the things that go on in our heads, you're like, you know, things in the past, future, uncertainty. 
I want us to pray that God would pour out His blessing upon us as a body. And then I want you to offer your heart to God this morning to hear from Him and to become more aligned with His beautiful plans and purposes. These are your moments to pray with Jesus. And then we're going to dive into God's Word. Our Lord Jesus, in silence, we meet with You and we receive from You. But Lord, also from Your Word, we are nourished by You. And Lord, across this room and across the live stream this morning, I pray through Your Holy Spirit, along with Your church, that You would speak, that You would encourage, that You would instruct and you would remind to us, remind to us the beauty of all that you have done and are doing for us in this day and age. And Lord, may our spirits be attuned, not only to your voice for the hour, but your voice for the week. And may we find ourselves fully alive in you, Christ, and to your mission. And God's people said, Amen. Somebody asked me what it was like to be able to come back together and uh, join as one congregation, uh, one site and online. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I just wanted to shout, Groundhog Day is over! <laughs> now, some of you are familiar that in the early 90s, there was a, a movie by Bill Murray who played a uh, TV weatherman who went to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania on February 2nd to, you know, when they pull out uh, the groundhog and does groundhog see its shadow or not, and he gets caught in this time loop. And every day, he goes to bed at night, hits, you know, sets the alarm, gets up in the morning, oh my gosh, it's the same day, over and over and over again. Have some of you felt like it's Groundhog Day? I felt that way for six months. I'm like, oh my goodness. We still aren't supposed to be having church in-house in a building, and I can't see you. Some of you walked in today, and I was like, oh my goodness, I haven't seen you for a half a year. And they're like, well, we've seen you every week on the screen. I'm like, okay, that's true, probably. 
But uh, there is some breaking free that's happened in uh, my heart as well as I'm sure in your heart. And I only have one verse really to bring to you this morning. And it's not a Groundhog Day verse necessarily. It's, it's, it's a verse, though, that just stands, at, that resonates within me because of uh, um, sort of the new day that we're able to have now that we moved to red tier status. I fully don't understand all that. But uh, it's this verse out of Galatians 5, and it starts out this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And uh, <laughs> you can clap, but it's true. I've got my handy, uh, you know, face mask here in the back. It's almost like I used to count to five. You know, I got my keys, I got my wallet, I got my glasses. You know, I've got my uh, uh, laptop with me, and I forget what the fifth one is. See, that's why I count to five my phone, I guess. But now I have to count to six. Do I got my face mask because of uh, safety protocol? Now, not against that. We want to have safety. Uh, environments, and that's why we have social distancing, and you're seated apart, or we're on live stream, some uh, for us to have uh, our mask and be mindful and protect one another. But there's been something limiting in the last six months that is pressed in on our freedom, and it causes us to push back. Like, don't tell me to do that, or I don't want to do that, or I want my kids back in school, whatever it may be. We were made to be free people. And Christ knew this, and Christ came for that purpose for you and I to have freedom. And the Apostle Paul, in this letter that he's writing to Christians in a town called Galatia, he was exhorting them about their freedom. And he says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. But then he says this right after it, and it completes the verse in Galatians 5.1, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I, I don't want to go back to where we were the first part of March, and, and I trust that some of the uh, protocol and, and some of the ways of uh, being able to deal with people who get COVID-19 and death rates are plummeting because they're, they're learning how to deal with things so much more in hospitals even and otherwise. We know who their at-risk people are and all that kind of thing. And so there's this angst that we have is like when we're going to really fully break out into the freedom and, and probably not until there's a vaccine or I was on a conference call, a Zoom call this week with a ministry that I sit on the board with, and one of the guys that was on there, he's actually a psychologist, he's a doctor and involved a lot in the medical uh, world, and uh, we were trying to decide if our next board meeting, a uh, number of months from now, I think it's the first part of March, if we would be able to meet in person like the plan was. And he says, oh yeah, he says, I believe it's all going to change on November the 4th. The day after the election, right? So that's when Groundhog Day is over. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not being facetious or I'm not being dismissive of the seriousness of the fact of the matter is. But there is a lot uh, of uh, news and communication and instruction and uh, input into your life and mine during this COVID-19. And sometimes it's not so much a pandemic of, uh, of a virus as it is a pandemic of fear. And we have to right-size things and be able to move forward in appropriate measure. And in this, it reminds me that, you know, 
I need to encourage us as believers in Christ to not fall prey, to be inhibited in our freedom we have in Christ and to be on mission for Him. It's one of the reasons I want to do in our next series, Thinking Biblically uh, in a Culturally Divided World, is because I see people uh, sort of shrinking back sometimes to their faith or uncertain as to what to say or you don't want to get on the wrong side of somebody. People need the Lord. And people need the freedom that they can find in Jesus Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not be burned again by a yoke of slavery. Can you picture what a yoke of slavery is? You know, you think in terms of uh, slavery in this country, but, you know, in the earlier years, but around the world in every place, slavery is, is identified in different ways and indentured servants and all that. But a slave is not free to build their life and to be able to move forward with the desires of their heart. And though sometimes when I hear the word yoke, I think in terms of a couple oxen in yoke that you can steer them if they're, you know, older days moving or steering a plow or a cart. But the yoke of slavery I start to picture in this concept is the idea of chains around people. Chains, and sometimes they used to put a yoke around their neck to control them or their, their ankles. And I know that seems a little bit may, maybe oppressive or down for me to share with you. But I know what it's like to have a yoke of slavery. Do you? A yoke of slavery to sin? Something that's burned you down, confused you, overwhelmed you, and maybe it's something you fell into, whether it's an addiction or a financial crisis, or maybe it's something someone else has done to you. People need the Lord and people need to know that there's freedom and you can be freed from Groundhog Day of the coronavirus and still be enslaved, enslaved to sin, enslaved to Satan, enslaved to some other person. And you and I and your friends and family members, we were called to be free. And our destiny eternally is to live in the freedom of Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ came, was to set people free. And if you're on the outside looking in, whether you're here this morning or at home or wherever at, I want to encourage you that you can be set free through the power of Jesus Christ and what He has done. But the Apostle Paul in this verse was not foremostly talking about those who had never initially been set free in Jesus Christ. He was talking about those who had been set free in Jesus Christ, those who's had their sins forgiven, those who have tasted of what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ and to walk with Him. But for some reason, because of the people they were around and the culture they were in, they had become bound again in slavery. And he was ticked. He was ticked because, you see, the Apostle Paul used to be one of those legalist people. He said, if you want to measure up to God, you got to do A, B, C, and X, Y, Z. And you do all these things, and then you might be in pretty good standing with God. He was a Pharisee, the Apostle Paul was. He could legislate all kinds of rules that would make you uh, appear seemingly okay with God. 
But Jesus struck him blind on the road to Damascus when he was going to persecute some more Christians at that time in the following days of Christ. And Jesus appeared to him, changed and transformed his life. And the Apostle Paul woke up to something incredibly beautiful. He woke up to grace. That's why in other places he wrote that we are saved not by works of our own, lest anyone should boast, but we are saved by grace through faith. There is no righteous work that you can do that's going to earn your salvation or bring transformation to your life. It's not what you do, it's what Christ has done. And Paul was observing the Christians in Galatia getting bound up again in slavery because there were what were called Judaizers, people who uh, came out of the Jewish faith, and yeah, maybe they were now walking with a belief in Christ, but they wanted to heap back on the believer a bunch of rules. And one of those rules was the right of circumcision. If you were a Jew, you were to be uh, have your males circumcised. And if you weren't circumcised, then you were not a part of the club. And so they began to press back in and bring this idea that circumcision, and you can replace the idea of circumcision with any do and don't that our modern world tells you. Our modern Christian world even. You see, they were wanting to add to grace. It was a, a grace plus deal. But I want to encourage you and remind you again today that grace plus will lead to slavery. Because then it's no longer grace. And that's exactly what he begins to articulate in this passage. And if you want to turn there in your scriptures to Galatians 5, I'm not going to be placing the, the verses up here on the screen, but in Galatians 5 it says this as you carry on from there. And I just read it, and it's in the context of this circumcision issue, but um, put it in the context of any do and don't that's been pressed upon you, or maybe you're feeling burdened to measure up to in your life right now. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness that we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision or any other do or don't or legalistic thing that's been thrown on you has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now if you want to see Paul getting a little bit ticked, this is a pretty good section the next few verses. Imagine him, he's writing this, and he can't believe. Have you ever had anybody that you know in life that was doing really well, and then they did something really stupid? And you're like, what are you thinking? Well, that's sort of the mindset he's in. What are you thinking as a Christ follower? He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? The kind of persuasion, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. And he's got some people in his mind that are causing the Christians to be tripped up. 
Verse 11, brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I, st why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And then verse 12 is pretty blunt. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Is that really in the Bible? Did you really say that? I just wish there was a slip of the knife. That's pretty mean, Paul. That's how adamantly upset he was. That someone was taking the beautiful freedom that we have and God's grace that's given to us for what He's done on the cross and we turn it into a religion of works and we've added to it grace plus. And when you add grace plus, you end up in slavery because you'll never measure up. And that's what he says. You know, then you have to obey the whole law. You've, you've messed up the perfection of it. The moment that you say... <laughs> You come to Jesus and you repent of your sins. You turn to Him. You receive His forgiveness and you begin to walk with Him. That beautiful work of redemption, of atonement, of regeneration, of salvation. That incredible gift of grace through faith that you and I can receive. And whether you've received it this morning or not, it's available to all people. Jesus died on the cross for all people, for all ages. It's not what you do, it's what He's done. But as soon as you take that beautiful, fantastic, wonderful grace gift and you start adding other things to it to measure up to God, and you've ruined the whole thing. It's like the guy who, he had a Babe Ruth baseball. And he thought to himself, and the Babe Ruth baseball was signed by Babe Ruth. He thought, you know, this thing's probably worth a little bit of money. And so he, he looked at it and was thinking about before he tried to get it out there to market it, that the, the Babe Ruth signature had sort of started to fade. And so he took a pen and he tried to trace on top of Babe Ruth. He ruined the baseball and the value of it. Because the moment he added to it, it no longer had the value. And that's what Paul's saying. Get with it, Galatians. Get with it, Christians in America. We have something to offer. Freedom in Christ. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Stand firm then and do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're stuck in Groundhog Day spiritually or not. But I want to encourage you. You're not to be bound. This is what happens when you add to God's grace. You diminish it. You ruin it in one sense. And, and there's some ways in which that happens. Have you ever been indebted to somebody? Like they loaned you money. And you knew you needed to pay them money back. But it wasn't possible for you to pay it back. And the person that loaned you the money says, oh, you got time, just continue. But you feel awkward in that relationship. I owe this person some money and I'm wondering what they're thinking, right? When you feel like you're indebted to someone, it changes the relationship. Okay? And when we add to grace, it's as if we're feeling like, I can't believe what, what God has done. You know, it's called a, a, a graciousness ethic that starts to evade us. Like, Christ did so much for me that I, I need to do so much for Him. The moment you cross that line, you're adding to grace works. 
and you're adding the potential of being enslaved again. Whether it's to what you came out of or some other thing you're going to be tripped up in. We are indebted to Christ, but it is a joyful indebtedness that we don't have to pay him back. For the moment you start to feel like you've got to pay him back, even with serving him every day of your life, and believe me, I champion that. There's a call to it. We talked about active witness. We've talked about serving others in our last series. You need to serve the Lord. But you do it not out of obligation and because there is some requirement you're trying to add to to earn favor with God. You wake up new and every morning, and he says, my grace is abundant and free. So... What really needs to happen is not some gracious ethic that feels like we need to measure up and pay back God because we owe him a debt, something that he loaned us or maybe gave us money in advance and we need to earn it. No, we wake up with the tremendous blessing of God saying, I love you. I sent my son for you. Greater love has no man than this that one lay down his life for his friends, Jesus said. And he calls us friends as we seek to obey him. But not because the obedience is adding to anything. He just loves us just like you do the infant that's in your arm, even though they're not giving anything back. As a believer, be cautious that you're adding to grace. It's a joyful indebtedness. It's an indebtedness we'll praise the Lord forever and we sing about, but it's not something that's going to keep us bound up as if we had to add. Or it's like, oh, I'm not measuring up to him today. I didn't really fulfill the responsibilities. Carrie just went through this series on upping your game and all these spiritual disciplines and practices I can do, and I haven't done any one of them for a whole month. Jesus isn't there sitting with a scowl on his face. You dirty scoundrel. You really need to get your act together as a Christian. No. He's saying, good morning. I love you. Let's make things happen for the good. So that's one way when you add to that it falsifies it. Uh, another is that you sort of diminish the work of the cross. If you're adding to it, then you're saying the cross and what Jesus did wasn't enough. It's the cross plus. No, it's not the cross plus. His work was perfect. It was complete. There's nothing else you can do for the remission of your sin except to believe in Him and receive His sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. Have you done that this morning? Have you done that in your life? If you're trying to measure up, I've had how many people tell me, oh, I've got to get my act together before I can come to follow Jesus. No, you can't. You come to Him, and He'll help you clean your act up. But you come to Him because of His finished work of the cross. And Paul saw that the circumcision issue and other issues were adding to the cross and saying, no, Jesus Christ Paid it all. Christ alone. And Christ alone is the one who brings your salvation. And you run to Him in His arms. I'm running. And you fall completely on Him and say, Jesus, not because of what I have done, but because of what You have done. And He says, come follow Me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Your sins are forgiven. Arise and go. It's joyful indebtedness not an obligation that puts you in an awkward relationship. You don't want to diminish the value of the cross. And the third reason you don't want to do this is because it has a tendency to lead you to think that Christ's work for you is in the past. It's not in the past, it's in the present. Not only 
that he has uh, forgiven us for our sins. He is working in us to help us live the life without sin. It's an ongoing journey. And the ongoing journey, you need grace as much every single day of your life as if you were the worst sinner and you came crashing in repentance to Jesus on that day many years ago. Some of you have a clear definitive line of before Jesus and after Jesus story. Remember what he did then? He needs to do that every day. And so that's why it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not burn yourselves again with a yoke of slavery. Paul goes on there and just highlights a couple other things. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in the Lord. Because he saw people falling back into all kinds of crazy sin and bondage. And he says, don't go there, man. That's going back to Groundhog Day. You're living the same thing over and over again. Galatians 5.16 So I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another so that you do not do what you want to do. You know what comes after this? He lays out some pretty decadent sins. Some pretty big time bondages. Chains. Yokes of slavery. You can read it for yourself. But then right on the heels of all those uglies, He brings in the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit. When you choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, and He says, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the things I need. I need them every day, God's grace. And so, I encourage you, here this morning on the first day, back indoors, on site, as well as online, that we do not find ourselves burdened again by a yoke of slavery, but we stand firm. And that's what Paul was encouraging them to do his followers, for freedom that Christ has set you free. You know, I was talking to my brother a couple months ago about this whole COVID journey, and we were talking about, hey, it's a sign of the end times or those kinds of things. <laughs> and he says, well, me for one, he says, and he said something to this fact, uh, paraphrasing, it's like, I always wondered how in the end times they would control people to get them to do things that they wouldn't want to do. And I've realized in this that all you have to do is tell people that they're going to die and they'll change all kinds of behavior. Now, friends, we need to change our behavior and it's the right thing to do. And when you're in a pandemic, I'm not being diminished of that. But do you know what Satan does to you in your spiritual life? He comes at you and he puts fear in your life. Fear if you're going to be a bold witness, what others might think. Fear if you step out trying to do something for God that you're going to fall back into that pattern of sin before Fear, fear that you don't have the ability and, and uh, the, the opportunity to horsepower up to do something. He's putting fear in your life. And some of that fear has to do with death. Look at you. Who are you? What do you think? That's, that's going to fail, that initiative that you're starting. Or, or your parenting. And, all. And, it's, it's, and fear starts to set in. And then we get paranoid. And, and we're quite, it's like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Jesus says, I've come that you may have freedom 
John 8, 36, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And so I just position to you these two propositions as we close. First, slavery happens when you fall away from the power of grace. So every day, every day be mindful that you will fall into slavery if you fall away from the understanding of the power of God's grace to work in your life. And then right on the heels of that is this. Freedom happens when you live daily in the promise of grace. In the last days of the Civil War, the Confederate capital was Richmond, uh, Virginia, and it fell to the Union Army. Abraham Lincoln, he insisted on visiting the city, and even though um, no one knew he was coming, the slaves recognized him immediately, and they thronged to him. They gathered around Abraham Lincoln. He had liberated them with the Emancipation Proclamation, and now Lincoln's army had set them free. According to Admiral David Porter, an eyewitness, Lincoln spoke to the throng around him, and he simply said this to those who had been enslaved by sin. My poor friends, you are free. Free as air. You can cast off the name of slave and trample upon it. Liberty is your birthright. When you add to grace any type of work, when you don't receive the God, promise of God's grace afresh and anew every day, you are moving into the identity of a debtor to God, not a child of God. You are a child of God. You are not a debtor to God. We serve God because we love God. But you have been set free. Stand firm in the freedom, the emancipation proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. It's through Christ alone that we have our hope. We're going to finish out this morning with that song. Joe's going to come back up and lead us. I want us to sing with wholeheartedness and belief that it's in Christ alone that we placed our hope and our trust. And if you've had chains that have been placed upon you during this COVID journey, maybe they're physical chains, maybe they're financial chains, maybe they're just discouragement, depression kind of chains, maybe. That gentleman who, who said that he thought it was all going to go away, the doctor, well, on November 4th, he was starting to quote some of the statistics of what's happened in his practice as a, 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 a counselor, a psychiatrist and everything, of the bondage of depression and discouragement and the breakup of homes and the rebellion that's being seen. There's all kinds of junk that's happened in these six months. And maybe it's true and it's resident in your life. As we sing and as we close, may you lift up with a spirit of enthusiasm and confidence that it's Christ alone that brings you salvation and sustains you with His grace every day. And this morning, if you've never had the opportunity to cross that line of faith and ask for Jesus Christ to forgive you from your sins and walk into a personal relationship with you, we're back on it as a church. I would love to talk with you afterwards. 
We're going to be scattering and going and, and, and having some community time if you feel safe. But I, I'm going to just hang up here. I would love to talk with you and help you pray through to a place where you can receive God's abundant grace in your life. Or maybe you're in a place that you become bound up again with what others are thinking, what your family's thinking. Maybe you have legitimate reason to think because you've strayed in some way. May you receive through this song and maybe through private prayer right now, saying, Lord, forgive me afresh of my sin. Come and sustain me. For I am not a debtor. I am a child of yours. Remind me all over again what it means to stand firm in the freedom that you've given me and not be bound again by a yoke of slavery. So pray, sing. We're going to close. It's nice to close together as a body. You can join us there online as we sing. But uh, we have gathered for the purpose of worshiping our Lord and to receive from His Holy Spirit. May we walk in the fullness of His Spirit and not become bound again to those things of the flesh. God bless.